Coach Taku. Making anime your new life coach. And welcome, Coach Taku listeners. I hope you've had a wonderful week. This is Mary, and I'm joined again with Kristen for part two of Attack on Titan. And I just have to tell you that I, I for the longest time, I refused to watch this anime. I really did because I've heard it's so violent. I mean, just look at the intro song. You can already get a feel for what's coming just by listening to the intro song. And then Kristen was like, no, but it'll make for a great coaching conversation. There's so much meat and juice. And I was like, okay. And I felt like Christina, I was having a conversation with Christina here because she's the one that makes me watch stuff. And then I started watching this and I was like, it is gruesome, but I can't stop watching. And so there are messages that I've sent Kristen for hours on end as I was binging through this (laughs) um, about what the show really was. And so the coaching topic that we're going to touch on today, because again, this is such a massive show, is one that's really fun because it's what the coaching topic is what happens when we believe when we are inherently wrong and we need to fix it. It sounds like such a simple thing, but from this show, you can see all the repercussions that trying to fix something from a place that's disempowered and how it can impact and lead to very disastrous results. So kind of like we're going to touch on the second half of the of the show. And I'm going to let Kristen talk about what's going on in the world of Attack on Titan and who are the players. Thank you so much for the intro, Mary. And it is so good to be back. Just a quick synopsis. And this does contain spoilers for the later seasons, just so you know and won't get mad. Um To really sum it up, because the Titan War is really complicated, uh, there is a nation called Marley, and they uh, had an Eldian faction that the Eldians are the members of the population that have Titan blood. So they are capable of turning into Titans. They had uh, someone named Ymir, who is like the founding Titan. She had the special ability to turn other people into Titans. And then she and people, other Eldians, fought Marley, uh, other nations, super gory war. Uh, The Titans were this unstoppable force. There was a royal family that comes out of Ymir's descendants that actually feels pity for the Marleyan citizens that are getting crushed, um, makes a secret truce with another Titan family because there's nine um, founding or special Titans. And then basically like King Fritz, who has Paradise Island, is like, I'll stay in my lane and not attack anyone if you all leave us alone. And Marley, you stay over there and do your own thing. So that's the you know, the least complicated version of that that I could try to sum up. From there, uh, there's still Eldians in the Marley population. So there's 
And Paradis, they're entirely Eldians. And for a good chunk of the show, they don't know that. And in Marley, it's the opposite. The Eldians there are t- shunned. They have to wear an armba- armbands to show that they are part of these people that are in charge of this destruction to their people. So even Eldians that were born way after the war are still being discriminated against and are second-class citizens and oftentimes exposed to a lot of violence and cruelty. So this big backstory really ties into the coaching topic of what happens when we believe we are inherently wrong and need to fix it. We are going to go into certain characters that were Eldians born in Marley and were made to believe they were wrong their entire lives. By looking at each of these characters, we'll see how they have showed up in the story and what coaching tidbits we can take from that. Yeah, thanks for setting setting it up, Kristen. I think what's interesting about this second half of the show is all the politics that kind of come into play because the first part of the show is about survival. You know, here's Aaron and his crew and they're trying to rid the world of Titans. And they're really isolated. So that's what we're, that's paradise, right? They're living in this isolation. They have no clue what's going on on the outside world. They don't even know that there is an outside world. They think they're the only humans. And then the second half, we realize that the world is actually more expansive and has all these different communities that are are war with each other. And they all fear these people who have the ability to turn into Titans. And so you can imagine that... The people who are to be able to, to have, that have this ability are kept segregated and kind of treated like second class citizens. So even from the day they're born, they're told there's something really wrong with you and you, you have to be you have to be caged. You have to be you have to be treated differently. You have to be separated because you're wrong. There's something wrong with you. You're wrong for being able to do this. You're wrong for having history go a certain way. And look, like we're not saying the coaching conversation for this kind of becomes relatable when we ourselves make ourselves wrong in some way. And we think that we have to fix ourselves for whatever it is. So maybe it's not wrong by birth, but maybe it's by the choices that we make in life and careers and relationships. And then how we go ahead and try to fix those things again from a disempowered place and how those choices have repercussions. So it's kind of to illustrate all of this, let's start with some of the characters that really make themselves wrong throughout the whole show. So let's start with uh, one of my favorites, Reiner. <laughs> and Reiner comes from the Marley. He's, he, and he's also an Algian, so he can turn into a Titan. And he's the armored Titan. He's actually the one that crashes into the wall that starts the whole thread with Aaron. You know, he's the one that really causes this whole war to initiate. And what's interesting about Rainer is that when we look at his backstory and his motivations, it's like, well, he's just trying to be strong for his family. And he's just trying to be a good soldier to prove something. And Kristen, I'm so curious, what do you see about Rainer? Rainer, he fascinates me too, because on the surface, like all the scouts, since you know, he infiltrates them. They think he's just like this jacked, badass warrior that has it all. And when we go into his backstory, we see how much he struggled through training, how hard it was for him to get the Titan role. 
and how much shame he had in the process of going through his military training. And he just inherently would beat himself up all the time just to get to the level that he was at. So a lot of his actions were from like a disempowered place. Like I'm not strong enough. I'm too weak. Can I do this compared to my recruits? And then he does end up getting the role, but he, throughout his time, um, he really questions his motivations once he lives in Paradis, like among his enemies. And then, basically has his own existential crisis of like, who was I living for? And what's my truth and all of this? And I'll bounce that back to you, Mary, because I know that's a deeper topic for him as well. Yeah, not only for him, but for any Marley Eldian who is sent into parody, because what we learn is that uh, Reiner, Annie, Gabby, and any Berthold, any of the Marleyans who were sent into parodies to kind of start this war and incite it have always thought that everyone in parody was a devil, was devil, was awful. They were monsters. They were savages. They were barbaric. But once they're actually there, they realize, oh, my God, they're just people just like me, just like you with feelings, desires, hopes, dreams. And that really messes with Rainer because at his core, who he is, is a person with a lot of integrity. And I think for him, it's really hard to kind of balance the idea that he has to be a good soldier and fight for his home country while also playing this spy and really betraying the people that he's formed relationships with in parody and that he's also caused the deaths of so many people. And so I think he carries that weight with him. And we can see the impact of this when he kind of just switches personalities. It's like he can't be with himself. He's He almost takes on the role of the soldier he was in parodies to heart, where he can't separate one for the, from the other. And that's one of the negative repercussions that we see with Reiner, because his whole motivation is, I'm going to be a good soldier to kind of fix the wrongness that I have inside, to kind of make sure that there's honor in my family so I can make it better. So I don't have to live with this stigma. And then what ends up happening is that you get this person who's really broken and can't choose, you know, where, where he is and all of this. Yeah. I think one of the most devastating scenes was just seeing his struggle when they were all trapped in the tower. And he was just like, I could just save me and Bertholdt and get out of here. But he ends up helping everyone survive in that moment. And he's just like, what am I doing? Like, why am I attached to all of you people? And you really see his crisis of loving um, the people that he was told to destroy. And really that was a reflection of him being told he was inherently bad and these people were even worse, but they're all of the same blood. Yeah. And so if I were to coach, if I were coaching Rainer, I'd actually be more interested in coaching him around his own needs, desires, wants, dreams, because for a lot of the people in Marley, they're following, they're following a structure that's not chosen by themselves. I'd actually be curious to know what Rhino would choose for himself. Like what kind of life, what kind of role, what kind of job? 
if he had the ability to choose for himself, what would that look like? Because I don't know, you know, because we only get glimpses of a side of Reiner that's really protective, that's a good leader. And I'm curious to see, to know what more there was to that. So that's one of the reasons, that's one of the ways I would coach him. It's like, what's outside of all of this for you? And if you had choice, what would be empowering for you? But Kristen, what would you ask him? What would you want to know about Reiner? I would ask Reiner or any of the warriors that serve Marley as an Eldian, what is you, like, what do you inherently know about yourself versus what has been projected onto you? So like, what archetypes do you see yourself living in currently? What are just the lab- like labels too that have been put on you? What disempowering beliefs do you hold to be true for yourself? And then we would do coaching on really dismantling all the projections and labels that are disempowering and having the client just own all of their greatness that has nothing to do with anyone else's beliefs about them. What a different writer that would be, Kristen. <laughs> I'm always like feeling all the emotions thinking about it. <laughs> I just picture him by a fireplace with a kid and like a nice wife, like just being a real like homie dad. I just, that was the image that came into my head. Totally see it. But let's move on to one of my other favorite characters for totally different reasons, because I just had such strong reaction to to this character throughout the whole show. And I I texted Chris and I was like, what is Daddy Yeager doing? I was like, that was my whole thing. And Daddy Yeager is, of course, Aaron's father and spoiler alert, also Zeke's father. So, um. But I I have labeled it, labeled him Daddy Yeager, and that's how he will be forever known from now on. Um, but he's such an interesting character because his wrongness is actually what caused this whole shit show. Pardon my French, because it was him choosing his anger to try to fix the solution, causing you know being part of a rebellion. Um really kind of isolating his family because of his his need to have it go differently that really caused Zeke to kind of make this whole other slew of choices which we'll get into a little bit later but also caused Aaron to become a titan because what we know about Daddy Yeager is that he left Marley on bad terms you know he was kicked out he ends up in parody he has, you know, he gets married, has a wife, and then has Aaron. And um, his need to have it go differently, to have some kind of control over his life, to have it go differently for all Eldians, causes Aaron to become a titan and start this whole war against the whole world and cause a destruction in the lives of so many people. <laughs> Right. So you can see how his need to fix it kind of caused a whole lot of drama for this world. What do you say, Kristen? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I just I told Mary the hashtag for this episode has to be hashtag Daddy Yeager. I want this to spread across the Internet as a thing because I haven't seen it anywhere. So just remember that it started here. And yeah, Daddy Yeager, he is just a prime example of 
just rage being the number one motivator for his wrongness and the tragedy that he witnessed with his sister being murdered for being an Eldian. Um, one of the just extreme, the, I think one of the biggest tragedies of the show in terms of, you know, Daddy Yeager, Zeke, and Aaron is that he really used his wrongness to control their destiny. And he projected all of his wrongness and how he needed to fix it onto both of them and drastically altered their life path. So for Zeke, basically from birth, he's indoctrinating him with how evil Marley is, how they need to be taken down. And he doesn't even treat Zeke as a child. Like he's just a warrior from birth. Like you are going to be part of the revolution. Zeke feels so wrong in this dynamic. And then also just doesn't know where he fits in at all in Marley. Like he only sees himself as an Eldian, that he is essential to the revolution, but he never gets to have a childhood really. So like his inner child is just shattered in so many different directions. And then that leads to tragedy with him feeling more wrong than he is confiding in someone and then turning his parents in. So that had like the most disastrous effects for Zeke. And then Aaron too, he because he's like part two of Zeke not working out. So Daddy Yeager makes another kid. He basically throws Aaron without any like his consent into the Titan role by injecting him. And then Aaron unknowingly takes on the mantle of his father's revenge agenda against Marley. So I also think and something Mary and I talked about, in addition to wrongness, sometimes we are we can inherit wrongness as part of generational trauma. And then we act in the wrongness that our parents or our grandparents felt before us. And we're also trying to fix not only the shame we feel in our current lives, but also shame that our ancestors felt. Yeah. And maybe to bring the conversation back into real life, um, we often make choices because it's expected that we make those choices. So maybe you chose a certain job because it was expected that you do so. You know, like there are a lot of families who have a whole family full of doctors or lawyers and you go into those trades because they're good jobs they bring certain prestige your parents expect you to do it etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's like there's little choice for the individual to say yes this is what I want to do uh, this is a role that I want and same thing with partners sometimes like we choose partners because it's expected that we want certain things in a partner and we're like well I guess I must choose a person like this because this is what my family wants for me. This is what's expected. This is what will be good or bring stability or whatever the case is. But it's a choice that's made not, it's not an empowered choice. It's a choice that's made by expectation. Not to say that it can't be, but a lot of these times we don't think about it. It's just something that's ingrained that we say, okay, I guess I must go down this path. And that I think is where the, the kind of 
problem therein lies, because when it's not an empowered choice, we kind of rebel against it at some point or another, you know, and then it feels weird or wrong in some way. And this is what we're reflecting in this conversation with both Zeke and Aaron. You know, it wasn't an empowered choice for either one of them because they're trying to fix something that's really wrong. And that was almost at the cause of their dad in many ways. You know, and their dad is trying to fix something that was wrong with his family. You know, it's just like going back and back and back. So Aaron could have made an empowered choice at some point and broken the cycle and said, okay, what's outside of this? What actually would make this an empowered choice for me? And so it could have Zeke. But you don't see them making that awareness. You just see them kind of pushing through with the path that has been kind of outlined for them in spite of the repercussions it has on them and the people around them. And that's the, that's the hard part. Right. So, and that's the sad part to watch from this whole show It's just like destruction and causes. So, and you know, similarly, there's another character and I think for her, it goes a little bit differently. I, I have hope. <laughs> I have hope for this one. And that for me is Gabby. And Gabby is also Marley and she's super strong, a great soldier. And also ingrained with the fact that people in parody are devils, they're awful. So when they get attacked, you see the hatred and the rage that she has for this unknown um, kind of uh, target. And she goes goes ahead and kills one of the other soldiers, one of my favorite ones <laughs> from the scouts, without thought or consideration. And it's not until she's captured and she starts living life on parodies that some of these thoughts, ideas, beliefs are really questioned for her. And Kristen, what do you see for Gabby in this whole conversation? I see that Gabby really starts to question her identity and being made to feel inherently wrong once she lives among uh, the Paradis, well, the Eldians of Paradis. Uh, Sasha, who's one of my favorite characters too. And the irony is then she lives on Sasha's farm. So she sees the impact that Sasha had and that what she was an incredible human and her family. And she's like, how are these people monsters? Like they took me in without question, fed me. Um, and I've, you know, killed some of their people. And then she's like, if they're not monsters, am I really a monster? And that becomes so hard for her to grapple with and just different conversations she has with Marlians and then with people in Paradise. So I have hope for her too, but you can see she's in the middle of a shift of what beliefs have been projected on me about my people. And then also, you know, sharing these bloodlines with the residents of Paradise, like, are they wrong too? Because they don't seem like they are. So then am I wrong? Yeah, such a cool convo. And I think one that a lot of us kind of struggle with at some point or another and in different ways again, um, how do we fix it? How do we make things better when we think there's something really wrong either with us or with the choices that we've made? And it's kind of cool because we don't actually have to stay stuck in that kind of mentality. That's why there are coaches. <laughs> and also when you think about it, if you're struggling with something that you feel needs to be quote unquote fixed or there's something wrong, then here's my advice. It's well, what's outside of the wrong right conversation? 
what actually are you committed to outside of that? And when you really think about the bigger picture, about what's empowering to you, what you desire long-term for your life, there's always a choice and you can always have it go a different way. And I know that's easier said than done. <laughs> and if you need support, please reach, feel free to reach out and we can have a conversation around it. But remember that for Erin, for Gabby, for Zeke, for Daddy Yeager, it didn't have to go that way. <laughs> Like there was actually so many points in time that they could have reached out for more support. They could have had a different conversation. They could have pulled people in. They could have been committed to something other than just fixing it. Maybe love. You know, what if Aaron's motivator was love instead of I have to kill all the Titans? The story would be much more different. So there are always choices. You can always break the cycle by choosing something different, choosing a different path. Yeah, I agree with you on all accounts, Mary. And one of the things too, that we've talked about with all the characters and even in real world examples, when you get new information that shatter old belief systems, what do you do with it? Because for any person, characters included, that can be really earth shattering. So that's another time where you can work with a coach to be like, I have new information or old beliefs are being dismantled in my life and I need to know what to do with them. Um, an example I think of a lot is like when people are doing relationship coaching, like say they've gone through their whole life thinking love is hard and that's the lens they live in. And then they start seeing that they could have relationships that are like free flowing and easy to a certain extent. Like, what do I do with this now? Like, how do I date? Yeah. So if you find yourself in that kind of conversation and want support, please feel free to reach out. <laughs> That's totally one. We're going to have a lot of fun, like recreating in a way that's empowering for you. And look, I know that we covered two episodes on Attack and Titan and there are so many characters that we didn't get to. I mean, there's Erwin, there's Levi, who's one of my favorites. So if you want to know more, if you think we should do yet another episode in Attack and Titan, please reach out. Let us know. We're happy to cover any of the characters that are so important, so key, but we just didn't have time for. Um. As always, thank you for listening. And Kristen, I just want to make sure that people know where to find you in case they want to reach out to you. Thank you so much for having me, Mary. This has been a blast. You can find me on Instagram at KJoy Coaching and then anywhere online under Kristen Gerling, KJoy Coaching. And I would love for you to send me a message and we can chat about coaching, anime, or just general nerdum. And you can always reach us at Coach Takupod on Instagram and coachtakupod at gmail.com for any comments, suggestions, feedback that you have. Please feel free to DM us, email us. Christina and I are still very present, even though Christina wasn't on, on these two shows. And yes, always love your support. If you're listening on somewhere that you can leave us a review, please, please do, because it helps other listeners find, find us. And until next time, everybody have a great week. Bye, everyone. Hey, thanks so much for watching this episode of Coach Taku. For subscribing so you never miss a new episode. Have an idea for an episode or show you'd love us to discuss? DM us on our Insta, Coach Taku Pod, D-O-H-C-H-T-A-C-U-P-O-D, or email us at coachtakupod at gmail.com. Love your wonderful host? In that case, you can follow me, Christina, at herextinaroar on Instagram, and you can follow Mary at Mary, M-E-R-Y dot The Nerdy Coach. Thanks so much. Catch you in the next one.